it is quite difficult because you're having to make a lot of decisions as you go, minute decisions on the spot uh, about where you're going to go with something. Because I also don't like to read things and prepare them in advance. That's a different kind of skill. It's almost like an instrument that I play. I play the Reuters news feed <laughs> like an instrument. And it's the kind of combination of life experiences that I've had that have made it almost possible. I think the sensibilities are actually quite hard to get right. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better, better, better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Jude Cowan Montague. Uh, Hello. Hello. (laughs) Hello, Dave Pickering. Yeah, I mean, I don't always say everybody's full names when I say hello, but that's kind of how you are in my head because we don't know each other very well and I just sort of see your name on Facebook or whatever mostly. But we have met. Well, yeah, yeah, I know. I've done your gig, yeah. You've performed and you've told stories. So the first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? That's how. We've just covered it. Yeah, okay, we're going really fast, so maybe we'll be finished in a couple of minutes. How I know you is the, I think, through Richard Tyrone Jones, I I think. I think he is the big... Connector. Yeah, connected us together. And I think we, we met at one of his gigs, that's right. Utter Shite, wasn't it? I think that was the name of the, the night. Yeah. And I think was I that? was performing then. I think I told a we story there. We were both there. performing that's at right. Utter Shite. Were, that's right, yeah. you were as well, that's yeah. right. So that's how we met, on the same lineup. And the second question that I ask everybody is, what do you do now? What do you mean? Well, that's for you to decide. That's uh, it, it gets a variety of different responses, this question. Oh, yeah, because, yes, it's a very open-ended question. At this moment, I'm in Resonance FM, where I do my show, The News Agents, and that's what I initially suggested that we might talk about. Yeah, that's right, and that's what we're going to talk about mostly, I think. Cool. I mean, and that's good to say as well that we're in Resonance, because I like to give people a context of where we actually physically are, and we're we're in Resonance FM studio upstairs in the kind of the extra studio. Studio two, the studio mini two. studio for naughty people. Yeah, but don't worry, I'm still recording it on my little Zoom microphone, regardless of all of the fancy tech all around me. Yeah, we've even got lights under the Yeah, clock. I mean, there's um, proper mics that you can actually put in front of people's mouths here, but I'm not using them. Yeah, and look, look at the lights under the clock that go on. Oh, wow. I don't yeah. know what the purple one's for, but you'd think green was go. And yeah, green would be go. But they don't make sense like yeah, that. They what don't. are they for? I don't, I don't know. I don't spend much time in a radio studio. So listeners to the show may know that Getting Better Acquainted has been out on Resonance a few times, but I, 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 rec- I still do it all at home and send it in. So this is only the second time I've been to Resonance. It's um, very nice yeah. to show it to you. Yeah, it's good, it's good to be here. The first time I, I came, Rosie Wilby showed me around. And so th- mm. there we go. This is my second time. What you do now is you make the news agents on, on Resonance FM. That's yeah, one, that's one answer. One, yeah, that's... That is something that I do. So how did now. the how did the news agents come about? How did that happen? Well, what... it's a that is a long story because what I did used to do was I used to be an archivist for Reuters Television News, and I was an archivist for them for nearly ten years, working at ITN. We picture managed their archive, and we still do. But I left at Christmas, which just this Christmas oh, just right. gone. I okay. decided to take their very kind offer of voluntary redundancy so no I actually took it but uh, <laughs> I was a volunteer I was a volunteer for it because I felt like you know I would open time. up I would open yeah 
time to open up life to other things. But while I was at Reuters, I decided to start writing poetry about the news that I was cataloguing day to day. So I wrote a book called For the Messengers, I called it. And the messengers are the reporters that I saw going out into danger to bring back us these terrible news stories while I was just sat in a basement, basically, watching it and making my money and my Christmas bonus out right. of their terror and horror. And, and I just felt it was really... It just didn't seem equal. And, of course, nothing can make it equal in any way, but at least you felt like you were giving... I felt like I was paying some attention to them and not being cynical and going, oh, look, more dead bodies or something, right. which is very tempting to do in right. those professional environments where you get accustomed to seeing death, really. Right, so kind of trying to recontextualise those kind of cold, hard words into something a bit more personal and human by making it into poetry. Yeah, well, it was visuals because it's oh, television, right. so you're watching this stuff and people being killed. I mean, it's not right. all people being killed, but you're watching terrible stuff. So you're watching actual, yeah, like basically watching every day's... Executions. Right, snuff movie, basically. Um, yeah, right. like a real si just real-life situations of horror, a lot yeah. of aftermath. I mean, you don't tend to get many moments of death because obviously a camera tends to go in after a situation. But you're not talking like name reporters, so it's not like the big thing. This Reuters journalists are generally people on the ground and they don't tend to get celebrated or acknowledged personally because they usually don't want people to know who they are apart from anything else. Right, in so they can get into places better and they can be safer. Especially in wartime, yeah. right. if you're with certain rebel troops or what have you. They're not celebrated and they're not named but yet they're going off and doing all this hard gathering of, of, of information for us. And, yeah, so you see a lot of aftermath stuff of really nasty situations, right. even if you don't see a lot of, as I say, real moments when things actually happen. And there's exceptions to that. For instance, the militants groups, they will release, as we've all become aware recently, execution footage right. that we used to see, but people didn't used to get so released into the wider world right whereas now it's actually generally i mean it's quite hard sometimes on twitter to avoid that sort of stuff like i'm, I'm not yeah, yeah you know yeah. I'm, I'm i'm not like That's i don't right. i don't think seeing it would ruin me as a person but i just don't want to have that in my life which no, is weird because, you think about it right, and, yeah. you, but it was your job it was my job and it's a bit <laughs> different when it's your job um, yeah. but as i say i didn't want to get desensitized myself i wanted to emotionally connect with it so i started writing poetry about it because it's a good way of writing something intense where you're trying to connect with something in the story I'd kind of try and make myself a little bit blank and sort of just have an emotional reaction to something in the story it needn't be the story as a whole it needn't really make sense in an information fact finding right. way I'd kind of look for something that sort of got me in some way and got a bit of a an emotional response. Right, it was a response rather than trying to sort of like encapsulate it or whatever. It was you responding in whatever way to whatever spoke to you from the experience. Yeah, I, it was definitely just me responding. And also I would sometimes pick things that weren't really the centre of the video. I'd just look at it and if I saw a little boy who was on the camera who just caught my attention, yeah, then I would just write about that in whatever way I wanted and sometimes it would go off piste if you know what I mean off the kind of theme but mostly I'd, I'd, I'd try and keep it slightly in that world so that when it was reread it kind of did slightly give something of the experience I had of watching it I didn't want to go off into Jude flights of fancy 
you know, right. I wanted to keep it sort of rooted Grounded. in the, in the yeah, footage. Okay. Yeah. So that's how I started. So I started doing arts, basically, about news, arts about news. Right. So I found when I published it, people were really interested. Journalists were really interested. but right. And also other artists, because I think people find it difficult to find a way into writing about news without either going into a big political rant. I mean, people still often think that my writing about news is going to be a big political rant and I'm going to be campaigning. And it isn't like that because it's a more human, sort mm. of intimate relationship with the news footage or the video. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I decided that that's where the news agents came in. I thought it would be good to have a forum where artists were helped in a way by providing an environment in which they could respond to news in different ways other than the conventional cliche ways that artists do tend to respond to news stories. Right. Now, not to be, you know, it's just a general thing. I mean, we all fall into patterns of yeah, behaviour no, sure. if you don't have alternatives shown to them. And I thought, well, I've found a different kind of way and it's good to expand that. Right. Yeah. And so, and so, so news agents is is a show on resonance that brings together different artists to talk about the news. Is that would that be right to say? Or is partly that... that's part of what it is. But what it, what I call it, as I say, it's where news meets arts. But what I do is I try to bring people in from reportage, from journalism, ah, right, okay. and artists. Sometimes I bring them together on the same show. Uh, for example, I had. Um, Ian Overton wants the director of Armed Violence and I had a sound artist, Joe Thomas, and I gave her a, a commission without any money, of course, because I don't have any money, right. to do a, a piece in the studio live in response to a couple of stories that he'd published on his blog. Right. He had a story about pink guns, for example, which was one of those press releases that was doing the rounds right. and you could see it pop up in different places, but people selling pink guns targeting young girls right. in, in, in America, of course. Sure, so sure. She, she did a piece like that. But it was really exciting. You could see that she got really sort of involved and it was an intense thing to do, so especially kind of... with, with Ian sitting there yeah. because, you know, it seems like a big thing and people are very worried, I think, that they're going to do something that's inappropriate right. almost. It's almost like a kind of artistic version of... What do you call it? The, it's like Tourette's, you know, when you think you're going to swear or yes. you think you're going to say something terribly inappropriate. Yes. So I try and provide a, some kind of... It's it's challenging, but also sort of relaxed to try yeah. and like get... It's, it's not a therapy, but to try and get different bits of right. the personality up and it helps you engage. I think it helps things be less distanced and I think that's a good thing, yeah. personally. I mean, I guess they're nervous know. making artistic statements about about things that are current, are hot, are like, you know, that people can have different opinions. It's like, you know, I always feel like I want to read a, a lot of different angles on something before I decide my opinion, but this isn't about opinion, this exactly. is about art, you're right? Quite and right. I can understand exactly where you're right. getting yeah. at. Whereas we can have opinion, and we do have opinion, yeah, but you don't have to have an opinion, and no. you don't have, it's not like Paxman, you know, people, if I get people in, sometimes they go, oh, send me the questions, no, 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 I won't right. send anybody questions. It's more about questions than yeah. answering questions, it seems to me, the kind of thing that you're talking about. Yeah, you want to open up, you don't, yeah. you know, the worst thing would be to send a load of questions, people come in and just sort of do off pat what they've written down at yeah. home. I think it's horrible to listen to. I yeah, mean, I love you... your show because it's all in, in, informal. 
right. off, off the cuff as well. I mean, it doesn't mean yeah, you don't yeah, prepare, yeah, yeah. but very, you very don't sure. prepare it like writing it down, like you've got a lecture well, and somebody's written every word out. Well, no, you're right. And I see it as capturing a, a live, authentic moment. And so, mm. like, it, there's an improvisational element to it and there's a journey element to it and all sorts of things like that, the way I think of of, of my show. Um, and those those are kind of... That's the kind of thing that you're partly doing in news agents, right? It is. It's certainly, yeah, definitely a connection there yeah. in approach. I mean, I don't know quite what I'm doing, so I can't tell you exactly, <laughs> but I'm finding out as I go and I change it and maybe every, every show is different and, and that's the sort of philosophy behind it. Right. I did a manifesto at one point because I felt that I'd got to the stage where I sort of knew some of the things it was trying to do. So I wrote out a manifesto, which I don't give to anyone. It's just there at home. I showed it to the... I, I like to have a little team of, <laughs> of, of other presenters because I think it's good to have some, especially younger journalists, um, I want to give people an opportunity to just ha- try right. that. Because it's not just about art, it's about journalism Journalism's as well. as well, right. Performative journalism apparently is a bit of a buzzword. So I'm. I'm <laughs> and so, yeah. when you were working uh, at Reuters, like, had had you did you when you when you were working in that job, were you also an artist? Like, in, was that your day job for you being an artist? Then yes, it was. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it was partly selfish in a sense because I was trying to get some art out of my day job as well. Right. But I mean, you will need motivations to do things. Sure. And I, that's absolutely. who I am as a person. Right so. about what you know, and that's what you knew. Yeah. Well, actually, that was the thing. I, I I've been a musician for years. I used to do poetry ages ago and then I thought I'd like to do some more poetry I'd like to get my lyrics a bit better they're a little bit too narrative and I need I need to shake it up a bit so I thought oh I'll go and do some poetry and then I started doing some poetry and I was writing it and I thought oh this is so terrible you know I can't find any models in poetry that uh, what I want to do right. it's not working where's the music it's all right with music because it's sort of a bit more fun and yeah. and everything so i thought oh well everybody says what you just said right about what you know so that's why that's, that's actually you, how it yeah. started and that's then it became much more than that like straight away it was like oh and it's icy it's all these things as well and and it just started to happen right because i've seen you i mean i've seen you in performance sometimes kind of doing improvised kind of music around that, yeah that was the second the stage yeah yeah that's my second stage of, of doing because after I did the po- the poetry feels serious and it is often seen I think as a serious place to sort of reflect upon death and ter- and the horrible things of our lives I mean when you yeah. have this cenotaph and I don't know and public mourning displays it's often seen quite appropriate to read out WH Auden's right. little yeah about the his famous poem and yeah. and so forth so I thought oh okay I wonder how I can bring improvised music into this that's something I used to do and the thing is I'm, I'm a bit silly in my personality as well I'm quite <laughs> playful so you know um so that came out once I started doing the music so there we are and I've got a slightly pop sensibility right. silly and pop yeah that's true and, and in the end it, then it so it's not like improvised music it's really dark and, no no and no so it got very silly so it almost is comedy but it's not comedy right as such I don't see it as no that. I don't think it's it, comedy no no it doesn't really fit in fact if a comedy audience is terrible I once had a go at doing the improvised stuff to a, a 
that improvised music type of delivery to a comedy audience once and it was horrible because right. everybody wanted to laugh and they yeah. were always laughing. And it was like, no, 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 that's not what it's about. It's about kind of, you've got to laugh naturally at the juxtapositions right. of things. And I must explain here, I don't do that improvised music on the serious stories no, no, keep sure. that for the lighter side of news yeah. because a lot of people might not realize in Reuters TV there's a few feeds that are particularly deliberately chosen to be quirky right so that's the kind of stories I take for that right. side of silly st stories to go um, with the silly music yeah. the and finally stories yeah, right exactly yeah there's a feed in Reuters called the life feed and it's life exclamation mark and it isn't really lifestyle it's more odd things somebody um you get quite a few stories in India that we think are odd you might not think they're odd I don't know if you were local to these stories but for right, example there's right. a guy he made his living out of dancing at parties and balancing candles on his hair he's got a big moustache and, and he had loads of candles in, entwined in his beard and oh, his wow. moustache so okay. he's there at the party and I shall demonstrate now for you, everybody <laughs> um, with the arms waving at wow. the party and okay. dancing and he obviously got paid a bit of money to do this when people had celebrations and it must have been the biggest moment of his life when A&I who's the Indian TV company were there at the party filming him doing it wow. and my funniest moment and this is how you get a different something from a story than what the story is about is this girl that starts dancing in front of him like you know, <laughs> dance he's like there behind with all his balanced candles you can hardly see him for this boogieing lady um, who doesn't who's care. got in front of the yeah, camera cute. lens and yeah, lovely. Yeah, I mean, that's a straight. That must have been kind of strange, kind of cognitive dissonance between the, that feed and the really serious feeds. Like, were you exactly, exactly, reading them yeah. both at the same time, yeah. or were you just? They oh, come uh, in mixed. I mean, we, uh, when I started at Reuters and technology, as you know, has changed so quickly over the past few years. When I started, they were on tape. We used to get two, a few tapes every day, right. in which things were. Actually, they weren't. Sometimes they'd be divided between the life tape and the news tape, so actually they were categorised then, but you would do one after the other. And then after that, they started to come digitally, and then they came more in a one after the other. Right. So then they would become more mixed, so right. what you were doing was more mixed. So you would be just leaping from one to another. But even on the most ordinary tape that appeared not to be mixed up, things would be mixed up, would yeah, yeah right. right. Only sport remains the same. <laughs> the same story constantly. Yeah, that must have repeated. been boring. And, and yeah, that must have been boring. It's just yeah. another football going into a goal. Another football going into a goal. Yeah, you've got to be really interested in sport to find the sport interesting. As, yeah. But I, actually, the football going to the goal is quite pleasant compared <laughs> to the horrors of the press conference. Oh right, of course. Because uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of the people in football don't. It seems to me I don't know, know anything about football. I'm not really interested at all but occasionally when I see those press, press conference bits it's like the people doing them they're just they're not supposed to be on camera that's not what they want to do with their lives they yeah. just have to do this bit they've got obviously talents in other areas of like actually coaching or well, playing football so but, get out there yeah, play. but they're yeah. not they haven't really got the kind of the bug or the, the yeah, rhetoric the, the, yeah. the, the complex rhetoric and then right. they probably aren't even allowed to say very much right that's can, it they can't be natural and authentic yeah they have, they have to, to say oh they yeah. did really well and, you know we have to do this Right. Because if they say anything, a hundred thousand million sports fans suddenly start going mad, don't they? Right. If they say anything off script. Right. 
Right, that's true. It's, it seems like a very intense job to me. Like, how, how many years did you do it for? Nearly ten. It wasn't that intense. In a way, I had to do the poetry to make it more intense because you have to remember <laughs> it was quite passive. Right, of course, yeah. So, because it was quite few. And when I started, I used to do more practical stuff, film handling and bits and things like that, and more research. Right. Well, actually, I did research. They stopped the research recently, and that's actually one of the reasons it didn't suit me so much anymore because right. I like to have a little bit more practical Actually input doing something, and yeah. I ended it became more and more data entry right so it became less and less less challenging for me so yeah, yeah that's why I finally thought it's time to go no it's not as intense as, as you think in a way because you're quite passive would you say that you've been desensitized to the those kind of stories do you or do you, do you I'm really that's... glad I did the poetry actually right. it definitely desensitized in the sense of it doesn't shock me and I, right. I, you know but at the same time I don't I think I'm quite you know I still cry at things right. and stuff I don't think I am but I think the poetry and then music all kind of really helped because I sat next to someone who she's a very very nice person but but she would say the thing regularly about the dead bodies and more dead bodies before lunchtime you'd get this kind of chat so it's definitely about right and i so some people it definitely could affect that way yeah yeah i mean i'm not saying she she was like that herself personally but it's a kind of culture an office culture type thing so well it's um, the same with like my mum was a nurse for lots of years and you know if you're in a situation where you're seeing these things all the time you do have to become like you have to have some gallows humor you have to have like you have to distance yourself from it because otherwise if you feel every death that you're seeing like i I, that would be that would be immense if you're seeing lots and lots of deaths right yeah exactly so it's not like that but i don't feel i got desensitised. I no, actually think I got activated, right. I would say. Partly through the poetry and then the music and then also and now with the news agents and everything, it keeps you really... You've, I've got an active role to play now, I think, within the whole culture of news gathering and dissemination. And I've found my own little way that's particular to me as a person who tends to bring lots of different art forms together and ways of looking at things. And I'm also quite playful. I always like to look for something new, you know, a, a different a different way of looking at things. Um, and what does, I mean, what do you think this kind of approach is, does it, what do you think like it has to offer to the, the general news uh, media? Well, I think it's quite good for the news media as well. I find that journalists coming on the show are usually really excited, especially especially if they have a really interesting sound artist or in the studio with them at the time, then yeah. it's a great bringing together of worlds. But even if you don't, the fact that they're on an art station in an arts show format is really nice for a lot of journalists because they can talk about things in a slightly different way to the restrictions that they have to follow when they're within their own jobs. For example, they can... They're they're often artists anyway, journalists, but they often have to be much more compartmentalised about that and very much keep their art as a kind of hobby. Right. And and I'm trying to stop that division of, of... of things because I don't think it's very healthy really for people to always be boxed up like this. Right, no, well I agree with yeah. that too. I mean I don't know if people are are naturally boxed up at all. I mean I, I don't I think like there is an artisticness like or creativity or whatever within everybody. Like sure there's only some of us that can be bothered to bang our heads against the brick wall of trying to make it for years and years and years but like everybody's got like authentic artistic and creative experiences to express and journalists kind of 
are likely to be using words and stuff like that anyway. And you so, often yeah, find that people who go into journalism as well go into it because they think it's going to be a job that's going to have a bit of an artistic side to it, you know, writing right. and looking at things and making things out of what they see and making a difference in the world. So mm. they're that kind of people who are drawn to making right. artistic statements. And docu- I mean, documenting is, uh, I mean, you know, there's like the, there, there is a very thin line between art and docu- document- documentary. I mean, I think documentary is an art form anyway. But mm. I mean, if you're documenting something, that's basically like painting a landscape. You know, it's just, it's just with news stories. Yeah, I mean, the French tradition has really done some particularly interesting stuff, I think, with art and documentary. Yeah. Um, that people, well, we had a show the other week about Agnes Varda, who unfortunately couldn't get in the studio. Didn't I didn't ask her in, but she's quite. She's like the the woman. The, the she's often called the godmother of the French new wave cinema. Right. And she's done lots of really exciting art documentary, often in quite a lo-fi way. You should you really like. You yeah, check it. Sounds check interesting. Check her out if you don't know. Her. I mean, there's definitely but, some really interesting documentary. But yeah, there. she's um, she's somebody who breaks down those barriers all all the time. And a new wave cinema sort of did anyway. Yeah, right. Cinema verite yeah, right. and. Um, yeah, I like that tradition. Yeah, I mean, and I think that, that there's something in those breaking those breaking those boundaries between different art forms, anyway. Because, I mean, I think it helps us to see to see the, to see to see the strings, like to see the puppet puppet master strings, if you like. Although I don't yeah. think I don't think there necessarily is a puppet master, but I think it it helps us to see how everything's constructed. Yeah, maybe we're yeah we're all controlled, but we don't know who's controlling. <laughs> so when you get there, it's the Wizard of Oz, isn't it? Right. The man behind the right, right, curtain. right behind the curtain. But I mean, definitely, like to break down the barriers between these things. Like it's far too many people think of news as objective. For example, and I don't know any journalists who would who would think it was objective. I mean, you know, not if they were really truly honest. Anyway, they might officially say it on mic, but everybody knows that a news story is created, you know, yeah, by a um, person. One of the things I wanted to do, and I actually put it in my manifesto, manifesto, is that I wanted the news agents to also demystify the process of news gathering because people see the news on broadcast, yeah. um, mainstream news channels yeah. and programs and they think that that's it but yet there's a whole load of little world behind that that brings the news to that point right and because i work for news agency news as opposed to broadcaster as well i've got a particular slant on that yeah. because Reuters is the largest news agency still there's a couple more like ap yeah. associated press and everything that are pretty phenomenally big but you know, you see the channels in, in which the news is gathered by ordinary sort of people in the sense of they're not named journalists, like I was saying, get, grabbing the stories, bringing them out and doing all this work, you know, that not kind of celebrity news right. or anything. And, and I wanted to show a bit of that to people. And also I'm really interested in having guests who, who will unpick other ways of gathering news and information and, and photography and, and photojournalist Right, I mean, it's interesting that, you know, those those kind of people who are just slogging out their jobs to doing doing those... I mean, I kind of know what you mean. My dad was a, a documentary filmmaker for the Coal Board, so he made documentary oh, yeah. films. He's one of those very famous people. He's not, he's not. But <laughs> he, he, awfully famous Grierson. Yeah, he, he, knew Grierson. Oh, yeah. he knew Grierson. And, uh, he knew and, Grierson, he, and he followed in the Grierson tradition. My dad's recently done a few talks at the BFI about it all, but he didn't expect to, you know, it was like years later it came. 
came out. Yeah. But yeah. but but I mean, he was you know all of his. Yeah, he working could be on the career. Show, well, they well, yeah, he's maybe, he's, he's maybe ninety one. Um, but he well, is he is he is a good character to yeah. have on. But, he, but yeah, he mm. is. I guess a news. I guess he was working in news, but he didn't think of himself as a news. Yeah, like, he thought of himself as an artist. He was he was make, well, he was capturing. Like mm. he was working for like the the cardboard magazine. So like the magazine show. So like it would you know it, you'd yeah. have the the little five minutes about yeah. the cold board and then you'd have your film or whatever and he was making that and so his part of his job was to report back from the mining communities and all those sorts of things no absolutely that would totally count I mean when I say news I have a very broad interpretation right. but I can be relaxed about it because I've worked in it and I'm but, a professional right professional but from I mean, the I, industry so, so it makes it easier to be relaxed about it yeah. I think it's quite hard for people to be relaxed about it because they're usually in their house consuming news right. feeling angry and then brr, brr, right you know and that, that's what you get on Facebook a lot people going oh I'm really angry because this was yeah. not, you know that, and I'm as guilty of that yeah. as anyway it's okay but, you know, <laughs> um, but, but there must be a reason why people behave like that because they feel themselves to be passive right consumers and yeah. that builds up anger I'm not saying there aren't lots of reasons to be angry right but, but there's reasons to be angry all the time and right. even at this moment as we sit in this room oh, yeah. there's a million trillion reasons but we're not um well hopefully well, yeah <laughs> we're not we kind of ranting at, but that's a funny thing isn't it uh, as, like like what you, yeah that 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 you must have been in a strange position of so you're right, there's always things to be angry about, and I guess you always were aware of those things. But also you were in that position of, so the news comes on, the actual terrestrial news, and you know what stories they're not showing? You know that, Well, like, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of didn't watch Totally Terrestrial News because I was international news, so right. I was like the small... Not necessarily smaller stories, but, yeah, they wouldn't be showing... that. I'd be at a, I'd always be at a different level of kind of news coming in to everybody else because you know when things peaked like even when Jimmy Savile do you remember when the first hit and mm-hmm. everybody was going I didn't know what anyone was talking about because it wasn't in the international news I was still <laughs> watching my international news and, some, and then they started on Facebook ranting and I, I, I remember saying something about about journalists and everyone and everyone was slagging off the BBC and then everybody's going you're awful you know because you, <laughs> you, you, know. you you're something connected yeah, yeah right, like, oh no oh, I see I see that's, yeah. ah that's what you're talking about I got it now but yeah so you, um, right so you knew different news than what was on but you you won't have yeah. known like it wouldn't have you would you wouldn't be able to see what stories they were deciding not to ch- not to share that day. Or... Well, I would have probably seen stories that they wouldn't have, right. but I wouldn't have seen the news to know what <laughs> to was know included what was and right. what wasn't included right, on right. the actual broadcast. No, fair enough. News. Well, I might occasionally, but not regularly, because you yeah seen quite a lot and also it's quite nice to keep yourself on it on you know you can't follow that many news streams there's a limit to what right. the human is capable yeah, of I mean, taking in now you're not getting those feeds every day like how has that affected you like the difference i don't know really i'm a little bit more disconnected but not entirely because i i go to the the reuters channel anyway because i'm used to it so right. i go and kind and it's appropriate to your show <laughs> so. it's appropriate to my show so i'm still engaged in new yeah. stories so i don't i've never tended to really watch the 
the broadcast news. So I haven't started doing that because I quite like being slightly out of touch with that, really, <laughs> and keeping my sort of keeping my interest in stories and what's going on. I like to. I still improvise on news stories, which is a great excuse to go and look up some and yeah. and get a relationship. Do you know what? It's great for your memory because I can remember things that other people would never remember because when you sing or write poetry about it, right. you remember it terribly. Right, and it, and uh, what I did with my poetry is I wrote books per year. Like I've got one for 2012 I haven't published, which I will do. It's, um, my publisher just decided to go out of business just before publishing it, so I don't know where I'm going to put it. Um, but, I mean, I will put it somewhere, just question where. Yeah. But... Um, so 2012, it's really interesting. I've got this particular relationship with that year. Right. And things you can remember, not just when you reread it, but they're kind of almost hardwired in my head in a way that they would never have been if I hadn't done something active with the right. stories and just sat back and... Right, no, that's an interesting, took in and then, an interesting thing to have done to yourself. Like you, you basically threaded the news into your personal kind of inner life and emotional life and, and memory and all of those things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, for those years, they're like yeah. strong years. It's like, ah, 2008, that's my year, you know. Right. <laughs> I mean, if you get me on a pub quiz, 2008, I'll be the. Um, yeah, yeah you, really you'll good. be the you'll be the one to go to Hopefully. for those questions. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's a that's a that's a really interesting thing. Like, I'm I'm kind of. Yeah, I'm just sort of struck by the idea of, of yeah, because I guess I do that with, with all of, like, that's what all artists do, I guess. That's what, like, all of the stuff I make, that's what I remember when I think back. It's all threaded into my life or whatever, the things I'm making. And you've basically done that, but also with news, which yeah. is really interesting. I used to wonder why teachers knew so much, and now I know. It's because I've been teaching <laughs> things for years and years, and of course they know everything. Yeah, of course. That's the journey that took you to the news agents, I guess, that we've covered. I mean, where are you going to go from, from there? Well, I'm really enjoying doing the show, so I'm going to just keep experimenting, but also ploughing the same furrows, because they're really broad and varied, so... Yeah, going to just keep looking for really good guests and trying different things. It's it's really important to me that it's a bit of a magazine experience. I need to have journalism in with the arts. Right. Uh, obviously, being an artist, it's easier to connect with the arts community, but that's not the idea. I've got to still have journalists, so especially journalists with an artistic understanding. Right. Particular. I've got, uh, otherwise, I think it becomes too cosy. It's very easy for artists to go, oh, you're fantastic, you've got this person in the studio and you will probably have picked people whose work you like anyway so it's right. not false but with when a journalist comes in often because they're slightly they're from a slightly more argumentative background <laughs> i mean the tradition of, of argument yeah 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 debate and no no they I, have yeah, to I be so it, it does add a bit of an edge that i really value and much more than that as well so yes, there's so much to do there. Also, not working has enabled me to explore more personal, artistic right, okay. areas that I didn't have the time for. For instance, I've been joining the Bermuda Triangle Test Engineers on a Thursday evening, who's an improvising show here. They do really interesting types of sound work. For example, I've learned to use the CDJ player, which are these things here in the studio, the Pioneers, right. in a things. way that I never used them before. Howard was showing me what he does. He puts away his trade secrets, so he, he puts a CD in the CD player in, in the rack and um, put a C, the CDs in here, and you can play with them against each other and it oh, creates yeah, okay. really interesting sonic effects. I think they're incredibly talented. Melanie Clifford and 
Howard Jake. And, that, and that's They're a the main show on Resonance. People from, yeah, and that's a show here as well. Yeah. So they've been really lucky to do that. So things like that have expanded my possibilities and my mind and my technical abilities. Right. I mean, what what made you like interested in in improvising music? I mean, how did that? How does how did that kind of become part uh, of your palette? Yeah. Well, that's been in the mix a long time because when I left college, I well, I first of all my first job you could say was singing folk music in Sumatra, Barat, which wow. is West Sumatra. Right. I used to sing with the local folk musicians for five hundred thousand rupiah. For the songs we're going to be doing a bit on a show in a couple of weeks with a friend of mine who's also very interested in Sumatra. You don't get many British people hooked into Sumatra. No, but we are. So, well, how did you come to be there singing those songs? It's just um, one of those things that where one <laughs> thing leads to another. I, I went to Bangkok. I, it was like almost like a gap year. I'd finished right. college. I just had this operation on my uh, neck. I had one of those goiters. I had you actually see the scar? Yeah, yeah, very personal thing. Um, Yeah, so anyway, so that that was like pretty freaky and um, I wanted my gap year after finishing college so I decided to go to Bangkok to see a friend of mine and I was very interested in the Pacific regions because one of the things I'd done at college was to study linguistics with a guy who was an expert on the Pacific linguistics and I guess I'd always wanted to do a bit of travelling like many people middle class people right <laughs> um so off i went and um i just ended up on a journey and one thing led to another on the journey and so i ended up in bukitingi which means high hill and i've always been fascinated by folk music musics musics i've done it since i was a kid yeah heard the folk musicians sat down with them and said will you teach me some sort just sat down with them a few nights and they started teaching me songs because i'm a singer so yeah yeah, you take your instrument everywhere you go. That's the good thing about being a singer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I'm, you know, sociable-ish, so that was good. I like that. Yeah, and I learned a lot. So. And was that improvised? Is that an improvised singing kind of really. tradition? No, it was a bit of me improvising with you, life, right? And so learning you... it and making something that hadn't been done before. But that was what I did. And then when I came back to the UK, I thought, how can I carry on doing music as part of my life? I really am I'm liking all this stuff. And people weren't really interested in hearing me sing half known. Salawang, which is the bamboo flute that you blow over. They weren't really interested in that. But I wanted to be an artist. I had artistic dreams. I wanted to do music. So at the time, it was a great time, in a way, in London in those days because people were living in squats right, for so nothing, nothing like now. When we're we talking about... We talking like, late what, 80s. 80s. Late yeah. eight, very late 80s. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it was good um, living for young people in a way. You could express yourself and be adventurous with your life mm. that, and not feel that you were going to suddenly be on the streets with no money in dire situations. So that was good for me. And... and there were courses to get people off the dole, not quite right. YTS, yep. as they used to call it, but um, yeah. No, sure. I don't remember what they called it, but one of those courses to get people off the dole, when they when you could do nice things, and there was a programme set up by Community Music that you had to audition for, and Community Music, which was at Hoxton Square at the time, got connections... Well, they they taught improvised music is part of what they did. And they were keyed into the improvised music community and some of the really good people 
were were there. There was a guy called John Stevens, who's pretty well known for doing a technique he developed called search and reflect, which was it's kind of games or structures for people to work together in groups without reading music that he'd he'd done sort of instructional scores really, right, in a okay. very basic way for groups. So I had this year's grounding in all those kind of activities. And, of course, it's good to be at Resonance now because, in actual fact, some of the people I knew then at Community Music are even involved in Resonance because Resonance came out of the London Musicians Collective, so it has that strong right, link that's very to true. Yeah, improvised music. And, and, and it's very advanced and very sophisticated in London. It's it's actually be, been a place of great innovation and community of, of improvising, I think. Sure, really I can imagine it, that it is. I mean, it's it's got a, it's a great community for many, many different things, mm. although things are changing to a certain extent, but uh, we're still reaping some of the benefits of years and years of, of great things. Yeah, yeah, of great opportunities. <laughs> yeah, and, and, right, um, and collaborations and surprise, yeah. and surprise kind of mixing of different ideas, yeah. So, I mean, so what's it like improvising the news? Like, what do you do? You just use your music, the, the, the your skills that you developed, or are there new things that you've seen of how to how to go about? Well, doing I, in a way, yeah, I don't recommend it to people who. <laughs> it's not an easy thing to do. It's the kind of combination of life experiences that I've had that have made it almost possible. I think the sensibilities are actually quite hard to get right. Right. So, um, certainly within that context. So I, I think it's quite, when I say right, it's not that it's the right thing, but, but it's, it's, it is quite difficult because you're having to make a lot of decisions as you go, minute decisions on the spot. Uh, about where you're going to go with something because I also don't like to read things and prepare them in advance that's a different kind of skill I actually it's almost like an instrument that I play I play the the Reuters news feed <laughs> like um, like an instrument and it's very interesting it's very interesting for me it's it can be amusing because there's such juxtapositions for people that they wouldn't expect. I think there's a, a great entertainment value for people, or it's not just entertainment. It's much more. In, it's much more than entertainment. I think just simple entertainment. It's not yeah. passive entertainment. But people really enjoy watching how you deal with the subject matter in front of them, because they know that you're making decisions as you go. It's kind of like seeing somebody multitasking. Right, but intensely right. in front of them. And that's part of the charm, I think. I do do recordings, and I have done the recordings. Oh, there, that's what I wanted to talk about, because I have um, uh, my album, The Liedenfrost Effect, which I did not to plug, but I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, no, right. no. See, I forget about it, because I do so much other stuff. Yeah, sure. Sorry. No, that's all right. Whim. Yeah. So, I mean, it. I guess that's part of what's come out of news agents than this album. Yeah. What I did was I went in the studio a few times over the years and started improvising in the studios to have nice copies and to try and, you know, make some, make a physical record right. of, of doing it. And uh, But I would do the same thing in the studio. I would make it up as I went along. Right. You know, I didn't practice and think, oh, I've got this one really no, good. No, and I sure. went, I'll pretend it's improvised and I'll go in. No, they're just going in with the stories just pulled off and doing it because yeah. otherwise it would 
be a, a pointless thing because that's part of the aesthetic of the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, you could make songs out of them, and I actually do, but that is another journey, and then you don't pretend that you're just making it up on right. the spot. And that would be horrible. Right. <laughs> Something horrible about that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, and I, I did. I went in for one day, um, and I go into a place in Walthamstow, and I recorded a bunch, and I got the WAV files separated and sent them to a guy I knew from the internet. Right. As a producer, and he's he's pretty advanced of years now, and he doesn't go out in the sense of he doesn't leave his his place where he is. He works in his studio in Den Haag in Holland, and I've not actually met him. This guy called Wim Udik, he's a Dutch producer and arranger. He was actually signed to Polydor in the 1970s. So, yeah, I've seen pictures of him on <laughs> the equivalent of Top of the Pops, bemusing cool. teenagers all looking, what is going on? Is his slightly hairy, sort of in their 30s band give it the um, psychedelic treatment? <laughs> and the, Yeah, it's very amusing. But he reimagined the stories. He basically took all my keyboard off and just kept the vocals. But he didn't... What I like about the way he treated it, he didn't cut up the vocals or make it into anything. I didn't know what he'd do, but he decided to keep the integrity of the vocals. That's good. That's interesting. Just as they were. Yeah. So no treatments on that. And then he put underneath it some really complex soundscapes. And he's got quite a pop, sophisticated production in his style. That's what he does. It's a bit Beach Boysy, in fact, you know, that level of carefulness and he made this patchwork soundscape underneath it taking influences from all kinds of areas using native instruments I don't know if you know what native instruments is it's a sort of software that reproduces the sound yeah. you probably know uh, yeah. I, I do but you're right the, yeah, the audience might not. <laughs> not know. No, see i'm not i'm not a radio person for nothing explain yeah yeah so native instruments produces different types of instruments digitally and right. but yet they're really convincing now. Um, yeah, no, they, sure they. they, they really are. If you can play when them you get really the right well. patches, anyway. Yeah. yeah, the right patches and handled in the right way. And <clears> Wim <throat> is an expert, so, and he he did an amazing job. So yeah, that is the Leidenfrost effect, which actually should be called the Leidenfrost effect, but I didn't know how to pronounce it, so it's now forever <laughs> called the Leidenfrost effect. What is the Leidenfrost effect? It's when you know the Leiden frost yeah, effect. Yeah, yeah. I still have to. Call, it's the Leiden frost effect. Okay. Now, for me, for me, maybe in another context. No, sure, fair uh, enough. Well, obviously in another context, but no, for me, Leiden frost effect. It's if you get a frying pan, right, at home, and you heat it up really high, and then you drop a, a water droplet in it. If you notice, sometimes it hovers above the bottom of the pan. Yeah. It doesn't touch because, and yeah. what happens is the 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 mass, the very hot mass of the of the frying pan is evaporating the water, the water before, it, before touches it touches it. and it makes it all hover around yeah it. right and, that's, and that is what it that would be called the lead the light that would be called the Leidenfrost effect if i'm going to remember it but that's for right, you yeah, it's yeah. the Leidenfrost effect which is your album yeah well it just i guess i can't change now <clears> I'm, I'm committed especially because wim who's <laughs> who is dutch so he thinks it's all right so that's cool I mean, well, it it sounds, Dutch I name. think it sounds good. I mean, it sounds like a good. That's what he called like it. Name. He decided to call the album that. So I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Expose my um, my lack of knowledge to the world. That's fine. I don't think it's a, a bad thing or a good thing to pronounce words in whatever way. Like, I'm always finding out 
10 it's years learning, after that it? I've been Journey, saying a word yeah. wrong for years and years and years. Well, I feel quite strongly about <clears> it because my, um, my first, I, I always try and do and, and get words right, you know, I'm not slack about it. But <laughs> if you are really too careful, you don't open yourself up, I think, right. as well to new things. I mean, when I was little, I used to read much more than I spoke, so I'd often be pronouncing words wrong until right. I got the until somebody actually told me. Right, that's I've got that with a lot of words yeah. that I just, yeah, when I was reading them when I was a kid, I just pronounced them in a different way in my head and nobody was there to tell me different, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, is there, is, are there any other kind of elements of the news agents that you we haven't touched on or, or sort of, yeah, questions that I haven't asked that I should have done? I think I'm actually really pleased with the ground that we've covered because <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about this to somebody because I feel it's important. I feel that we're doing something quite different here and I do think it's come so naturally out of the work and the sort of path I've had in life which has been quite a fusion of different areas right and yeah. I've really you know I really wanted to talk to someone about it so this this is <laughs> now I feel like I have I can go home happy now yeah. well that's good I mean yeah the last question that I ask everybody is do you have anything to plug so I guess we've kind of been plugging the news agents been the plugging way through my, yeah. and, the, and the album um, as well the album yeah. How could, where can people find you. these things oh yeah. well, well the album's on Folkwit which is a very nice label run by a guy called Nick who lives in Nottingham and this is quite a well respected little folk it's not really a folk label he's called it that's a bit Silly, but it's one of those catch-all kind of labels right. where it's sort of what he likes is, yeah, is yeah. on there. So that's nice. And actually, I'm going to be on the radio this week. I'm going to be on BBC Shropshire. I'm driving all the way up to Shropshire to be on Genevieve Tudor's Sunday Folk Show. Well, that's cool. I mean, this won't go out for a couple of weeks, I shouldn't think. Oh, well, they should be but the opposite way around. So you'll have already be been... This yeah, well, you, can, you, you, you can't... You, well, don't do that. That would be, <laughs> be a weird moment for everybody. But, uh, but... I want to show you the lead and foster. Yeah, I'd like to see it. In my bag. Yeah, you're... you're yeah. So show show me that, and then I guess, and also they can hear when they can hear the news agents on Resonance FM. What mm. what what time and day and all of that stuff? It's on a Saturday at two thirty to three thirty. And you're and you're also podcasting it now, are you? Or I'm going to. I haven't got round to it, but what I've started to do is I've started to try and eradicate third party copyright from it so that I can podcast right, it. Right, because that's a bit of an issue. At the moment, right. it, it can only go on a mixed cloud, which is great, and I love that. But I did have dreams of world domination. <laughs> no, actually, I just wanted to spread it a bit further to some no, different sure. audiences. And but I they can hear not, it. So. But for now, they can hear it on Resonance. And Resonance is broadcast live if you're in the London area or certain parts of the London area, as well as online. And mm. also, you're putting it on Mixcloud. So. I need all, all the Resonance shows get archived on Mixcloud that's right. now. Yeah, so they're doing it for... Right, that's right. Yeah, so they're there, yeah. That's cool. So people can find that there. I've got the I've got the the, the Leiden Frost effect in my hand, um, and yeah, it looks good. Yeah, it's kind of a slight, a sort of semi-pro production in that it's done. The actual CD is manufactured yeah, yeah. by Wim, as opposed to generally. He has a little label called Disco Fair. Yeah. Him and a guy called Bert Coops do together. In Holland, so rather than it being a big mass manufacture, did you do the artwork? I did a lot of you do collages. Artwork, don't you, I do. As well. Yeah, That's I'm another, a we've never even touched no, on we that. We haven't touched on that. <laughs> I'm a printmaker and a collar uh, uh, collagist, really. A printmaker, really visual. 
Oh, well, I do lots of things, visual arts. So. Printmaker is one of my te big technical skills. It's one of the only one area of art that I've actually won a big, important award for, as I won the Royal Society of Painter Printmakers Student Award. I'm still a current holder when I graduated. <laughs> I'd always wanted to go to college and do printmaking. It's just like one of those life dreams that I just thought I would do a yeah. few years ago. You know, I'll, I'll achieve that, I'll do that. So I did. So then my collages, because what I did was I started to take some of the offcuts of the old prints and decided I would start collaging. Yeah. And I thought because of my news interest, what I'd like to do is take poor images, what they call poor images, so things that have been circulated a lot of times, maybe end up in black and white, photocopied, right, okay. degenerate kind of images. But the great thing about doing that in conjunction with the more kind of in-detailed printmaking or, or etching process that I'd developed was that um, I could use stuff from the media and sort of engage with a different type of narrative storytelling, play with some of these things like I started to use bits of Billie Holiday because she's been a bit of a figure for me you know as a vocalist right. so she's appeared as a kind of alter ego creeping about in these mm, okay. collages and then other stuff and so that doing this new technique is new for me anyway collaging with the poor images let me do that so that's interesting and, and I mean, and do you have like a general place that people can find you, like to do, to see to check out all of the other things that you do? Yeah, I finally managed to do a website, having given up work, um, called, well, called my name www.judecowanmontague.com, and I've actually managed to make it make sense of the different areas of my life, which took me a long time in my organisation. I had to physically put all my little art histories and things into different folders and I think it's working okay I'm quite pleased cool because it was I, I thought I'll never be able to do that it's just too confusing and you yeah. sit down you go, I find it I find websites really hard to get my head around yeah. to make to make happen properly yeah yeah, yeah no it took ages and I thought I think I've, I've cracked I think that's I've cracked good. it that's good <laughs> that's really good and yeah I mean and it's been a pleasure getting better acquainted with you today I mean it's it's it's, it's actually got hotter a little bit oh, as we been it's here but we so if, if you know i think we've we've we, we we haven't shown it in our in our conversation but if people no. want to imagine us we've been we've been hot that's what we've been yeah really um, sweating <laughs> but yeah it's in been a, a pleasure. tiny room it's been a pleasure. with a load of equipment right no, I'm not, yeah all of this equipment that i'm not using <laughs> but it's been really i mean because it's in a soundproof room although i think occasionally you could hear probably music in the, in the distant yes, background which is which is really appropriate really for this conversation because mm. we've been talking about music and stuff and it's so been been appropriate to occasionally have that in the background certainly it's been a much better sound quality than a lot of the the recent conversations i've been working on so i'm very pleased uh, about that and some of the listeners who care more about sound than i do will also be pleased with that too I'm Sure. And the last thing I ask my guests to do uh, is to say goodbye to the audience. Cheerio. Cheerio, everyone. <laughs> Bye. And talking of plugging, the next stand-up tragedy will be on the 6th of June at the Hackney Attic, and it's Tragic Summer, a seasonal sprinkling of tragedy to keep you warm on a cold summer night. And also currently going out on the Stand Up Tragedy podcast are the episodes from Tragic Spring. And 
it was such an amazing gig those podcasts are really really quality i recommend going and listening to them if the last sun at tragedy is anything to go on you should definitely come to tragic summer on the 6th can follow Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at GBA Podcast. You can like it on Facebook, subscribe to it pretty much anywhere that podcasts go to hang out with each other on the internet. Or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk. And remember, there are lots of ways to get better acquainted.